Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to ToledoCalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, hello, Calvary. Great to have you here today. Thanks for taking the time to join us. I want to thank Pastor Keith for uh, preaching a great message last week on being fishers of men, didn't he? And uh, just a powerful... A uh, powerful reminder, and uh, Rhonda and I had an opportunity to get away for a few days. Uh, this year, we're celebrating our 25th anniversary, and uh, you should pray for her um, because of 25 years of me, and uh, that, that would be helpful for her. One of the things you know, that we did, we went places we'd never been before a few days last week, and I, I became well aware of how much I used some of the, the tools that are helpful to me when I'm someplace that I'm not familiar with. And maybe, you know, I've kind of begun to use the apps on my phone in a way, and maybe you use some of these different ones. Anybody familiar with TripAdvisor? You know what I'm talking about? Like if you're, if you're looking for a place, you're trying to figure out, do I want to go there? What's there to do? That kind of thing. And then when we were eating, quite a few times we used Yelp. Anybody familiar with Yelp? Like, you know, Yelp, and you know, find out where you want to eat. Actually, it helped us more times to find out where we don't want to eat, and uh, that, was a, that was a good thing. And then we did something we, we'd not really done much of before. We did the whole ride-sharing thing, like Uber and Lyft. Anybody use those apps? Like, if you're not familiar with this, and, and we, we didn't have a car for several days, and so uh, what we, we did was we just, you know, you use the app, and you Uber, Lyft, it works the same way. Like, you, you say where you're at, you say where you want to go, and then you request a ride, and somebody just kind of comes and picks you up, right? And then just takes you where you want to go. And it, it's really, it's really kind of slick. It's a neat thing. It's like an adventure because like you, you schedule the ride and then you're like, how weird is this person going to be? that's going to pick me up. You're like taking your life in your own hands. It's fun. Like it's just, it's a, it's a cool thing a neat experience. One of the things that's cool about it is in the process of this, you're like, Hey, I'm not from here. Tell me about where we should go, where we should eat, what we should do. Like we learned a lot by talking to the drivers that would pick us up and they'd say, well, you want to go to this place or make sure you don't miss this or that's ah, overrated, you know, and you would learn these things. And it was really helpful on our journey to have somebody who would help us to understand where we were going and the things we needed to know about the places where we were. This week, we're going to start a three-week series that we're calling A Traveler's Guide to the Bible. And we believe that we're all on a journey in this life. And in the midst of this journey, God's Word, the Holy Scriptures, our Bible, is the guidebook that we have to help us to know how to navigate the life that we're living. It's the tool that we have so that we can make the most out of life. We believe that the Bible is God's Word, that every word is inspired by Him, that it gives to us the truth that we need to live, and that it's the objective standard for our lives. And so it's the guidebook. You hear people talking about living their best life. Well, if you want to live your best life, you live it according to this word. And that's the, the truth that we hold on to. And so we're going to walk through this series. And as we go through this the next three weeks, well, I hope we'll answer some questions that maybe you've had about the Bible. We're going to talk about where did the Bible come from? We're going to talk about what Bible version should you read? What about some of the contradictions in the Bible? How do we know that we can trust the Bible? Like what's the difference when we talk about the Old Testament and the New Testament? And we're going to look at the Bible and hopefully have a tool that will help us on this journey to understand how we can use this book better that God has given to us to make the most out of our lives. And the background of this actually goes back to the book of Acts. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 17. We have as a church for the, for the last season been working our way through the book of Acts. When we last were in Acts, we were at the end of chapter 16. Paul and Silas and their team had been doing missionary work. They had been traveling and preaching and telling people about Jesus. They'd been starting churches. They were in a city called Philippi. 
Then they traveled and went to several different places. They were in a city called Thessalonica, which we might be familiar with because in the New Testament, there's letters that Paul wrote to that church called First and Second Thessalonians. And when they were in Thessalonica, they eventually actually got ran out of town. And it's at that point that we pick up our story. Acts chapter 17, verse 10, we read this. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Now on arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character. That's a great description, isn't it? Wouldn't you like it if somebody said, now that, they're of more noble character. The Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. Wouldn't that be nice to hear? You know those people in Northwest Ohio? They're of more noble character than those people who live in, you fill in the blank. I'm not getting in trouble on this one. Why? Why were they of more noble character? Here's why. It says, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Why, why were they so noble? When I read that, there was something that struck me. And I was like, I want to be that kind of person. I want to be the kind of person that the Bible would say they're a person of noble character. And then what hit me, I said, I want to pastor that kind of church. I want to pastor a church that when we talk about the people of Calvary Church, it would say, those people at Calvary, they're of more noble character because they receive the word with openness, with eagerness. And can I tell you, you do. As a guy that stands on this platform quite often, and I have the opportunity to deliver God's word, you, you come with an eagerness to hear what God's word will say to you. I've gotta say, at least 95% of you are awake 85% of the time. I mean, you receive it, right, with this eagerness. And then it says that they examine the scriptures every day for themselves because they wanted to see if what the Bible said was true. And I thought, do I do that? Even more, I thought about the church and I thought, do, do we do that? Like, I hope you, you can have a confidence that what you hear from, from the people that stand here on this platform are things that you can believe. But even beyond that, I hope that if there's something that, that sticks with you, that you'll go back and check it out in the Bible for yourself. That, that you'll have not only an eagerness to receive, but that you'll also have a diligence to examine the scriptures for what they say. And then what hit me was this, do we know how? Like we, we may go to church week in, week out, but we really know how to read the Bible. Do we know how to examine the scriptures? And it's important, it's a big deal. We live in a world of, of fake news and internet hoaxes, don't we? And at some point we have to be able to discern true from false. So I wanna talk to you today, and we're, we're gonna explode this kind of over the course of the next three weeks, but I wanna talk today about how do you get the most out of reading your Bible? And the reality is, Reading your Bible, knowing what scripture says, interacting with God's word is an important thing. Let me tell you why. Here's what scripture says. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were, look at this language here, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This wasn't a fact where some people just sat down and said, I think I got a good story idea. It was the Holy Spirit who led them. The Holy Spirit 
carried them along in giving us God's word to the point that, look what Paul says, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, says all scripture is, and look at this word here, all scripture is God-breathed. It has literally God's, God's breath of life in these words. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, do you know who the servant of God is? That's not just me, that's us, right? As his children, so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word, the Holy Bible, these scriptures that we talk about, it's not just another book. It's not just great literature. It's not just something that you should be familiar with. This is literally God's words, God's breathed words coming to us that give us his life. And these verses that we've just looked at said that God breathed into that, that the Holy Spirit led it. And you might say, well, of course the Bible says that. It's talking about itself. It's self-promoting. Have you ever read a book where you looked at the, the review or whatever on the back cover of the book and it said, don't read this, this book is horrible. Have you ever seen that? No, what's it say? Read this book, it'll change your life. Of course the Bible says this. Here's what I hope to show you over the course of the next couple of weeks, that history and archeology span and personal experience will back up this claim that there is no other book like God's word. And so you and I have to do our best to understand it. So we ask the question, so why do I read it? Why do I bother to take time to read the Bible? Crossway Publishers did a, did a poll, they did a survey recently, and they asked some people about their own Bible reading kind of experience and practices, and they, they highlighted four different benefits of reading scripture in, in what they said. I wanna read you these benefits, and, and I'm gonna ask you to help me out here. As I go through them, if you've experienced this, will you raise your hand, like just so we can kinda see this, and so I'll, I'll say it, if you've experienced this benefit, you raise your hand, even if you're too cool to raise your hand, will you raise your hand? It, it, we do this, so here's what it says. So one of the benefits was, I, when I read God's word, I value learning more about God, salvation, and myself. Anybody ever had that experience? All right, cool, here's a second one. My life is impacted and changed by what I read. Anybody? Okay, cool. A third one. I feel more equipped to fight against temptation and sin. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a big deal. Here's the fourth one, last one that they highlighted. I feel more equipped to help others. Anybody had that experience when you read God's word? So there's benefits that come to us when we read God's word. So if that's the case, the question we ask is, how do I do it? How do I understand God's word? When I spend time in scripture, how do I figure out what it is that I'm reading? How do I know that I'm reading it right? How do I know what it means? We're, we're gonna talk today about a study. This is an academic word. It's kind of a theological word that when we talk about reading and understanding scripture, we use a word called hermeneutics. Some of you thought that was a dude's name, Herman Nudix. It's not, like this is, this isn't, oh, Herman, yeah, I know him. No, this is, this is the study of interpreting scripture, hermeneutics. And whether you realize it or not, when you read the Bible, you already have a hermeneutic. It's the way that you see God's word. Dane Ortland has written that, that hermeneutics is basically the lens by which we read the Bible. Here's what he wrote. He said, hermeneutics is the art of interpretation. It is taking a text and asking, what does this mean? Specifically, how am I, as a contemporary person, hundreds of years removed from this utterance, supposed to read this ancient text? What is the bridge between that world 
and mine. So your hermeneutic is your lens for how you read God's word. I can remember very clearly being in the second grade, sitting in the back of the class and realizing I can't read what's on the board in the front of the room. So I went to the eye doctor and they said, oh yeah, you need glasses. And so ever since then, like I, I can't see without, without some kind of help. I can't see far away well at all. I can't see far away hardly at all. And so when I was in the junior high, I switched from glasses to contacts. And so just about every day of my life since then, I put my right contact in my right eye and I put my left contact in my left eye and then I can see pretty good. What happens every once in a while, if you're not careful, is you'll take your right contact and put it in your left eye and your left contact and put it in your right eye. Anybody? And then it's like that for a little while. And you're like, something's wrong with my vision. I wonder if I need to go back to the doctor. I'm not seeing right. Is it a tumor? Like you ask all these questions, right? You go, what's wrong with me? Until you go, oh, wait a minute, and you, and you swap them, and you, and you get the right one back in the right eye, and the left one back in the left eye, and you go, oh, now I can see again, because, watch this, I'm looking through the right lenses. If you're not looking through the right lens, and especially when you're looking at God's word, what will happen is you won't understand it, or even worse, you'll misunderstand it, even to the point that you might get wrong what God's word is trying to say to you. We offer what we call the Calvary Ministry School here. Many of you have taken part in this. It's a really cool opportunity to dig into God's word. Sometimes the name might confuse some people because they go, well, it's called the Calvary Ministry School, but I don't intend to go into ministry. I'm not gonna be a minister. I don't wanna be a pastor. I just wanna understand God's word better. And that's what this school is all about. It's to help you know God's word better. And if you kinda have a hunger to say, I wanna learn more about God's word, or I wanna dig in a little bit deeper, or I'd love to be in a group of people who are studying God's word with a little bit more kinda intensity or digging in a little bit further into what it means. We're offering, starting September 25th, every Tuesday night at 6.30 for, for the fall season, We're gonna have three classes and we're expanding the ministry school because people have been involved. One of the classes is called Prayer and Worship and it's really about your own personal development. How do do I grow in my own personal spiritual development? Another class is a study of the book of Romans, one of the richest books in scripture. And then the third class that we're offering is called Hermeneutics. And it's taking some time to understand how do I read and interpret God's word? And if you've ever said to yourself, boy, I sure wish I could understand God's word better, I would encourage you, Take the time to take this course because the few weeks that you might spend in this course this fall could change the way you read God's word for the rest of your life. So this is a really cool opportunity. Today, I wanna give you kind of a little bit of a snapshot as we talk about hermeneutics. If you wanna know more about the ministry school, you can go to the hub or you can, you can check out the information about it online. But today, what I wanna do is just kind of give you a real kind of hands-on, kind of practical teaching. And when you use the word practical, You know that that means that that's something that that you practice, it's something that you do, maybe something that you have to learn. Practical teaching about reading God's word. And I I wanna show you what I do when I read God's word. When, when When it's me and I sit down just by myself to read God's word, to let it speak to me. This is, if you will, the model that I use. Several years ago, about 10 years ago probably now at this point, I picked up this book called The Divine Mentor by Wayne Cordero. And you know, at, at this point in my life, I knew quite a bit of God's word. I'd been a Christian most of my life. I'd been a pastor for years. But when I read this book, it really helped me personally to get the most out of the time that I spend in God's word. It changed the way that I read the Bible. And so if you're looking for a really cool tool, the Divine Mentor, Wayne Cordero, I'd encourage you, that's, that's a good tool to pick up 
and, uh, and maybe check out if you're interested in learning a little bit more. In that book, he introduces this method that I wanna walk you through today, and it also gives to us some basic hermeneutics. It gives us some healthy principles for studying God's word, and it's what he calls the SOAP method. I wanna look at the SOAP, S-O-A-P, method of scripture reading today. I think it could be something that could help you along the way. Each one of those letters, the S-O-A-P, stands for something. And so we're going to look at the SOAP method of scripture reading. Let's jump right in. The letter S stands for scripture. If you're going to read God's word, probably the very first thing that you have to consider is, what am I reading? What, What is it that I'm looking at? So the S stands for scripture, and you have to ask the question, what am I reading? One of the things that I think is a big hindrance to many of us that keeps us from actually reading God's word is we look at the book and we go, I don't know where to start. Like, I don't know what to do here. Because the Bible isn't just one book with with these chapters where you start and go through. The Bible is 66 different books that are arranged in this one volume. We'll talk about this more in the next few weeks. So really, if if you're reading the Bible, you you don't, like other books, just kind of start at the beginning and roll through. Because you you get through Genesis and then you kind of scratch your head through Exodus and then you get scared of Leviticus, right? Isn't that how it kind of works? If you just kind of go through there without the background of understanding maybe some more about how the Bible works and how we look at this. And here's here's a key that I think is, is essential. To get the most out of reading your Bible, you have to start by reading your Bible. People say, well, I want to get more out of reading God's word. Then you open it, right? And that's what we have to do. If you want to get the most out of reading your Bible, you have to start by actually reading your Bible. Now, Crossway, I already mentioned, they did that survey, and they found these benefits of reading God's Word, but they also identified kind of four key barriers that people experience when they try to read God's Word. So let's, let's do the same thing again. I want to read these barriers for you, and if you've experienced this, you can raise your hand. All right, here's the first one that they mentioned. A barrier is, I don't feel like I have enough time. Anybody? And by the way, the pastor's hand is up, so it's okay for you to raise yours. Right? Oh, the pastor, he, me too, right? Like sometimes it's just like, I just, I just don't feel like I have enough time. Here's the second one. I lack motivation and discipline. Anybody? I know I should read, but I, you know. Here's the third one. I feel intimidated. Anybody ever felt that way? You look at the book and you're like, I'm not sure what to do here. I feel intimidated. Here's the fourth one. I struggle to apply the Bible to everyday life. Anybody? I read it, but I'm not really sure what it means. So what we're going to do these next few weeks, I want, to, I want to explore some of these. I want to help you to remove those barriers as you look to read scripture for yourself. And let's, let's just start with some of the basic things here. Let me give you some Bible reading tips. Like especially if, if picking up the Bible is new to you, here's just some basic Bible reading tips. And let me encourage you with this. You may have a friend, I think we all do, we have this friend who says to us, Yes, this morning I opened up the scriptures and I read all of the book of Psalms and then I memorized them. And you're like, ah, I'm never going to be able to do that. Look, that's unrealistic. Here's, here's like a good place to start. Find a plan that works for you. Let me take the pressure off. This, this is not school. This is not homework. Find a plan for reading your Bible that works for you. Don't look at this as a homework assignment. I'm not preaching this because I want you to have guilt. I want you to have fuel for life. And you find this in the scriptures. You might say, oh, I, don't, I don't know that I have enough time. Look, figure out a plan that works for you. One of the places where you can find a good plan is we often encourage people to use, if, if you have, have, a, have a smartphone or you have a tablet, what's called the Bible app. 
And every week on that Bible app, you, you might see where it says it, 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 it comes from Version or life.church. Every week on that Bible app, we put our sermon notes right up there. So you could actually kind of follow along through the events portion of that with what we're preaching during the sermon. Also on that same app, they have hundreds of Bible reading plans. So if you want to study a certain book or you want to read about a certain topic or you go, man, I'm, I'm really dealing with a lot of fear in my life right now, you can search for fear and you could go through a five, seven, 12-day Bible reading plan to help you read scripture about an area that maybe you're walking through in your own life. Another resource that I would encourage is, is lifejournal.org. Lifejournal.org offers a, a really basic reading plan that actually kind of plays off of that divine mentor book that I told you about. But you know, you might go, well, well, I, I don't really have a lot of time. I can't read a lot of chapters. What if I just read one verse a day? Is that one more verse than you read yesterday? Then that's a good start. Like that's awesome. Find a plan that works for you in your schedule. Find the time for doing that, and then make a commitment to do it. If you and I were having a conversation in the atrium, and you walked up to me and you started talking, and I smelled something nasty coming out of your mouth, like like smelled something nasty coming out of your mouth. And I looked at you and I said, hey, when was the last time you brushed your teeth? And you went, ah, I just haven't had the time for it. <laughs> right? There's certain things that we know they matter, so we make time for it. And then it just kind of becomes a part of our lives. I would encourage you, find a plan that works for you. And then here's a second thought. When you, when you get that plan and you read, maybe it's a few verses, maybe it's a chapter, maybe it's a few chapters. When you read that, as you read it, then focus your thoughts on one verse. After you read it, don't, don't try to go back and remember everything you just read. You know, there's times where I'll, I'll read a whole story, and we'll talk about this in just a moment. I'll read a whole story, I'll read a chapter, I'll read several chapters, and then my mind's going, boy, what did I read? At some point, ask the Holy Spirit to highlight one thing for you, and then you focus your thoughts on that one verse. If I try to remember everything, I, I just get frustrated. God, what is it you want to speak to me kind of in one way? And we'll talk about this. Here's the, here's the next thing. Don't give up when you miss a day. Don't give up when you miss a day. This is really tricky because you start a plan, and then you get a few days in, and you miss a day, and you're like, oh, I got to catch up, or I might as well just give up. And the thing is, it's not going to work that way. We're, we're notorious for this at the first of the year, right? We say, oh, I'm going to read through the whole Bible this year. And you read Genesis chapter 1 on January 1st, and you get to January 3rd, and you go, I'm two days behind now, right? Because you fall behind. Then you get to January 27th, and you're like, I'm 24 days behind. What am I going to do? Look, don't try to catch up, because you're not going to. Just jump in where you're at, in the plan, where you're at, and just believe that next year, you'll get those verses you missed this year. Can I get an amen? Right? Look, just, just don't stop. Don't give up. Don't worry about catching up. Move forward with it. And one last thought, and, and this may seem a little bit sacrilegious, but make it fun. Like, attach that time in God's word so that you will enjoy that time and not make it a chore, not make it a drudgery. Like, I've heard of people that, that when they go to read God's word, they light a candle because they like the smell. They, they, they attach something uh, in their senses, sensory, that's pleasant to that. I know some people, it's like they attach that time in God's word with that cup of coffee. So spiritually and physically, it's the only way they're going to make it, right? It's that kind of thing. I know people that, that find a way to do that. There's an author named John Acuff, and he's written this. This is a helpful statement. Make it fun if you want it done. Make it fun if you want it done. If it's a drudgery, you're not going to do it. 
So find a way to enjoy your time in God's word. I did this recently, and uh, I, I bought myself a new Bible. And what's interesting about this Bible is it's got this cool little spot here where on the sides, it's got these wide margins with these lines so that as I'm reading God's word, it's real easy for me to just have a pen in my hand and just jot some notes down. And I can just take a minute and I can, and I can write something down that's there. Sometimes I put a little date next to it. If I'm going through something in my life and I'm like, I know I wanna come back and remember what happened in that season and how God was faithful and I write that. And you go, oh, that's cool. I'd like to look and see what he writes in there. And you can't, because it's mine. <laughs> Get your own. All right, but find some way to make it fun because this has been something that I've enjoyed and it's, and it's made that, that experience of being in God's word even more desirable to me. When we were out of town this last week, we ate at a few places that, that we'd never eaten before. And when I did, I ordered some things that I'd never had before because I was feeling a little adventurous. I'm out of town, I'm gonna do this. And so when they brought those new things to me, as I'm waiting for the, the servers to bring my meal, I did not sit there and go, oh, I know I'm gonna hate this. I hate the fact that I have to eat. I wish I didn't have to be here. Is that what I was thinking? No, I was like, bring it, right? And I wanna try something new and I know I'm gonna love this and I can't wait for this to come. What if when you open God's word, you had that same idea? Instead of opening God's word and saying, oh, I guess I gotta read this chapter today. What if you said, God, I honestly believe that you are going to bring something to me that is going to nourish me and that is gonna bring life to me. God, I anticipate that when I read your word, it's gonna change my life. Just that shift in your mindset could make all the difference. So here's my challenge for you. We're gonna do this sermon series starting today, three weeks, so that's 21 days, right? I wanna challenge you to, to take a 21-day challenge where you say, I'm going to make sure, I'm gonna take time, I'm gonna find a plan that works, and I'm gonna purposely spend time in God's word every day for these next 21 days. And I thought, I'll, I'll craft this master plan and I'll present it to you and we'll all read this together. The reality is that we're all in different places, right? Maybe that's not what God wants to do in your life right now. I'd, I'd like for you to say, what's the plan that I need to follow for myself for these next 21 days? Might be something you find on the Bible app, Maybe, maybe you wanna pick up the Proverbs plan. Proverbs is, is a cool book because it's filled with practical wisdom and there's 31 chapters. Well, most months have 30 or 31 days, right? And so it's easy to go, today is September 9th, so I'll read Proverbs chapter nine. And you can keep up in that way. The cool part too is that when you miss a couple of days, you go on the 12th, I'll read chapter 12, right? And you know right where to pick up from. You can do the same thing with other books of the Bible. Like I'd encourage you, you might wanna read the book of Acts. Anybody ever heard of the book of Acts? I'll give you some insight into where we're going. Here's a really cool one. If, if we're doing a 21-day challenge, the Gospel of John has 21 chapters. And the Gospel of John gives to us a portrait of Jesus' teaching and of his person that's different from the other writings that we have in the New Testament. So what if you said, for the next 21 days, I'm gonna read a chapter of John every day. Start with John chapter one today and work your way through in these 21 days and say, God, I open up your word because I wanna, I wanna hear from you. I believe there's something you wanna say to me. I would encourage you, join me in this 21 day challenge as we move through God's word and then take this next step. The S in SOAP stands for scripture. The O in SOAP stands for observation. The O that we're looking at in SOAP stands for observation. When I read this, what do I observe? What is it that I see here? And the question you probably wanna ask yourself is, what did this scripture mean to the original audience? When this was written, 
When God gave the law to the Israelites, when the prophets spoke their prophecies to the Jewish people, when Paul wrote a letter to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians, what was it that they were trying to say? What was it that they were communicating to the original audience? Because the first principle of hermeneutics is this, what was God saying? Not what do I think, but what was God thinking? What is it that the scriptures are trying to communicate? The reality is when we read scripture, it's not about culture and it's not about our emotions. It's all about the context of what you're reading. You wouldn't pick up a novel, open it to the middle, find one sentence, read it and say, I understand the whole book, right? But we do it with the Bible all the time. We find just one verse and we just hold on to that. To truly understand scripture, you understand the context. It's all about context. When was it written? Who was it written to? Why was it written? What did it mean when it was written to them? Because if you get the context wrong, then you have issues that begin to fall apart. Anybody ever heard of Dunkin' Donuts? <laughs> Donuts, coffee shop. So, so their, their origination, they began in Massachusetts, and they do good marketing. So recently, they decided to celebrate one of the most spiritual days of the year, which is today. For some of you, this is the day that you've prayed for for months. It's the beginning of the NFL season. Right? And so you've got the Boston market, which celebrates the New England Patriots. And you have their Philadelphia market, which celebrates the Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles, who happened to beat in the last Super Bowl the New England Patriots. So here's what Dunkin' Donuts did. They made cups that would fit this season, and the Philadelphia Cup commemorates that the Eagles won the Super Bowl, but somewhere along the line, they sent the Philadelphia Cups to Boston. And so for the last week, the Patriots fans have been getting their coffee in cups that celebrate the Eagles' win. You know how that's gone over, right? Here's what Dunkin' Donuts said. They said, we appreciate our loyal customers for bringing this to our attention. And we are taking steps to ensure that all of our local stores are stocked with the correct cups. And then just to smooth things over, they put Go Pats, right? They're trying to win back the Boston fans. It's all about context. When you put the wrong cups in the wrong place, it messes the whole thing up. And if you read the Bible through the wrong lens, then you miss what it's trying to say to you. It's not about what our culture says. And it's not about what our emotion says. When we start reading the Bible through the wrong lens, what we get is not a proper hermeneutic. It's not a proper understanding of scripture. What eventually happens is we get what's called heresy. We'll talk about this more in the next few weeks. Why is this important? I've, I've been privileged to be a full-time pastor at a church since 1995. And I can tell you that in the last 23 years, there has never been a time where I have heard more people taking God's word and twisting what it says than right now. In the things that I hear, sermons I've listened to, podcasts, things that I read, over and over again, more and more people are taking God's word and basing it on the culture and not the context. They're basing it on their emotions and not what God intended for it to say. And that's a dangerous thing. So if there was ever a time for you to be a Berean, if there was ever a time for you to examine the scripture to see what it says to you, it's right now. Because if you miss that, you might see scripture in the wrong way, and at the other end of that thing is something you don't want to deal with. 
a couple of weeks ago, I was, we had an event here one night, and I was on my way back home, and it was dark. It was probably about 10 o'clock at night. And, and about four or five houses down from where we live, there's like a little bend in our, in our street. And as I was rounding that bend, my headlights hit the middle of the road, and I saw something out in the middle of the street, and I hit my brakes real quick. And I'm not kidding you. The first thing that crossed my mind when the headlights hit that, I went, that's kind of pretty. Look at that thing. And I looked at it for a minute, and it, it kind of looked like a cat, but it, it wasn't a cat. It was like all this real silky black, and then it had this white stripe right down the middle of it. Right? Me was like, glad I hit my brakes, right? I was like, oh, there's Pepe Le Pew. And he goes walking across the street, you know, and so I go home. He disappears, right? And I even told Rhonda afterwards, I said, I, I saw a skunk in the middle of the road today. I almost hit it. It was actually really pretty. Like, I don't know that I've ever seen a skunk kind of that up close. Maybe it was just in that light, that particular skunk was beautiful. I don't know, but like, there, there was some, I was like, that skunk's beautiful. So that was like, I think on a Friday night. Tuesday, I, I had I got home a little bit late again, and they eat there and that kind of stuff, and I went upstairs, kind of changed clothes, you know, and, and, and I was upstairs, and uh, all of a sudden, I hear Rhonda with that, Chad, can you come down here? And it's super sweet, but it means now, right? That's what it means. <laughs> And so I got downstairs to find my family holding on to and huddled around our 11-year-old dog, Samson, who had met Peppy. <laughs> and there was a smell in our kitchen that I had never smelled before. And in Samson's 11 years, apparently, he'd never seen a skunk before. And at some point, he must have thought that Peppy was beautiful, too. <laughs> got a little too close and got hit in a big way. And so, you know, we have to clean them up, all this kind of thing. And I learned this great theological lesson that before you think something is pretty, you better make sure what's on the other end. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Here's what Paul said, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what they're, listen to these words, Itching ears want to hear, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Look, there, there is all kinds of teaching out there that could cause you to go, that's pretty, that looks good, but you better know what's on the other side of it, because it could, it could stink. <laughs> how, how do you know what's true? Well, it's important that you have some good resources at times to help you know what you don't know. Let me just highlight one of those for you. This is what's called the Fire Bible. Now, we don't get any kickback. There's no cash that comes to the church for talking about this. But if you're looking for a tool to kind of help you kind of begin, and I use this quite frequently, if you're looking for something to help you, how do I understand more about God's word? This is a great tool. Um, we've got some of these available at the hub. Um, this one is like in a bonded leather, and you can, you can pick that up today. We got a deal because we got them in, in bulks, and so these, these leather ones are like $35, but you can go online and you can find a hardcover or paperback or whatever that you might be looking for called the Fire Bible. This one is in the English Standard Version, and next week we'll, we'll talk about Bible versions a little bit. But what you have is you have the scripture at the top of the page, and at the bottom of the page, there's just some notes, or there might be charts or an article to help you understand more about what you're reading. If you're looking for a tool to help you, even just to begin your Bible study, we would recommend this as the first thing for you to get. It is a great tool. It's called the Fire Bible. We also have, and you can pick some of these up today, what's called the Fire Bible for Kids. So especially if you have elementary age kids, this is a really great tool for you to put in their hands. I use, for my own kind of personal Bible study and for sermon preparation, I use, I use software called Olive Tree. 
and you can get it for your phone or tablet, my, use it on my computer. What's great about it is, is everything is like a la carte. So you could just buy one Bible version and then you could even buy that Fire Bible tool and just use that and have that right there on your, on your phone or your tablet or whatever as, as a great tool. So there's these things that are available to you as you look at them. Again, we don't, we don't get a kickback for this. I just wanna put some good tools in your hands because that will help you bridge from scripture in your observation to letter A. Are you, are you ready? Let's get back to soap for a minute. Scripture, observation, and then the letter A is application. The letter A is application. This is where it gets personal. Not just what did I learn, but what is this saying to me? The application is when I read this, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me? And we'll get into this more as we kind of continue to go through this series. But at some point when you're reading God's word, there's these moments where, where God just illuminates for you this is what I'm saying. This is what I want you to hear. There's something that just kind of grabs you or gets your attention or you know that it hits you right where you're living. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like there's that moment. And then you have to ask, what does this mean? What is the Holy Spirit saying to me? Psalm 119, 130. Look at what the psalmist writes. David says, the unfolding of your words. I love that, I love that phrase. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And I would encourage you, find a way that when the Spirit speaks something to you, when you're reading something and it gets your attention, to not just go, hmm, that was good, but to interact with that. If, if you're doing it like in a, in a digital way, maybe you've got a Bible app that you're using or something, then, then highlight that thing. Don't just let it go by. Find a way to interact with that so that it sticks with you. I would encourage you maybe even to get into the practice of journaling like where, where you have some kind of journal, especially with this SOAP method, I'll show you this in a minute, where you're writing things down so that you can keep track of those things. And I would encourage you to, don't, don't be afraid to write in your Bible, like to make a mark there. To be honest, for years, I was like, no, I don't wanna write in my Bible, I wanna keep this thing nice and I, I don't wanna mess it up and this kind of thing. And then several years ago, there were multiple people kind of right in the same season that I did a funeral for. And when I did their funeral, their family said, hey, this, this was their Bible. We wonder if you'd wanna look at this. And so then I took their Bible and I began to look through and see the places where they had underlined things and saw the places where they had maybe written something in the margins. And when it comes to preparing funerals, those were some of, of the, I know this sounds weird to say it, but those were some of the easiest funerals that I ever prepared for because I didn't have to know if that person had a relationship with God. And I didn't have to wonder what was important to them because it was right here in front of me. And then I was able after that funeral to give that Bible back to those families and say, you, you have to realize this is an incredible gift that you've been given because you have a front row seat to your loved one's relationship with God. And so when you take time to interact with scripture, even in a physical way, you not only affect yourself and your walk with God, you have the ability to affect your generations and their walk with God. The S is for scripture, the O is observation, the A is application, here's the last one, real quick, letter P, and it's prayer where you take what you've read and what the Spirit has spoken to you, and then you take the next step. And you say, God, how do I take what your word spoke to me and put it into practice? 
We'll, we'll look at this some more in these next few weeks, but God, how do I take what your word spoke to me and put it into practice? Because God's word really doesn't have an impact until you're willing to obey it. It doesn't matter how much you treasure it. It doesn't matter how much you believe about it. What matters is what you do with it, right? Okay, so let me do this, because I want you to see that this isn't rocket science. I I just want to show you real quick. I went back to my journal, and I looked at a passage of scripture where recently, as I was doing this SOAP method for myself, I looked at what I wrote down and how I processed this. And I want to just share it with you real quick, because I want you to see, you know, you're like, ah, I probably have to have hours, and I probably need a master's degree. No, you don't. (laughs) Interact with God's word. And then there's something powerful about kind of categorizing that and, and cataloging it, remembering that thing in some way or another. Here's one method. So at this point in time, I was reading through the, the book of Titus. Titus is a New Testament book. It was written by Paul. He wrote it to a pastor, was talking to him about ministry in the church, and he was also talking to him about how Christ works in us. And in Titus chapter 3, verse 2, he said that when Christ works in you, and this is what he said, uh, verse 2 of Titus chapter 3, that you are to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility toward all men. And for whatever reason, when I read that part, that's what stuck. And so in my journal, I put the letter S and a little dash, and then I wrote Titus 3.2, and then I wrote that verse out. Because when I wrote it out, it, it caused me to interact with the words in a whole nother way. Does that make sense? Right? So I wrote it out. And then I skipped a line and I put the letter O in a dash and then I wrote this. The gospel has tremendous impact on how you treat others. Your words, attitudes, and actions will be affected by Christ in you. So my observation was that Paul wanted us to see that if Jesus is working in you, then it's gonna affect your words, it's gonna affect your attitudes, it's gonna affect your actions towards others. So that was the observation that I made. So S was scripture, Titus 3, 2, the observation, what you just read. And then when you get to the, the letter A, I put the letter A and I put the dash, and this is where it starts to hurt, right? Because <laughs> now it's not just I made an observation and I'm smart. Now it's I gotta do something about it and it might smart, right? Letter A, my words about others must be true. Beware of sarcasm. I may or may not have kind of emphasized that in my journal. (laughs) My attitude must show concern for others and not be overly aggressive. My attitude, my actions must come with humility, true humility. And this is how the Holy Spirit was speaking to me about this passage. And then the letter P, I wrote this, Lord, may I show true humility today. Amen. God, will you help me to show that true humility? That whole thing jotting all that down, probably didn't take me more than five minutes. But can you see how it changed my perspective for the whole rest of that day? Because I interacted with God's word. Look, this message was never intended to be a guilt trip. Like this series is is not meant to make you feel bad or, or, or guilt you into reading the Bible. It's not school, this isn't homework. I know even for some of us, we, we might not be readers. We might even struggle to read. And that's, that's why there's a beauty in audio Bibles and other resources that you can use. I want to encourage you, this isn't homework. Scripture is your fuel for life. And as a pastor, like you love, you love those messages that come along. We had one several weeks ago when we talked about divine direction or sometimes we'll talk about healing or sometimes we'll talk about going through the storms in life. And we preach those messages and you know it's hitting people right in their emotions and it's actually keeping them awake and there's, there's, there's songs and there's crying and there's this moment where you have kind of this emotional impact. You know the kind of messages I'm talking about, right? 
And when you have one of those, you're like, oh, that's a good day. And I was talking to somebody about today's service yesterday, and I said to them, just kind of in passing, I said, yeah, it's a good message. I'm just not sure that it's going to change anybody's life. And that's when the Holy Spirit kind of gave me a little rebuke and said, you better believe this message could change their life because they come and hear you once a week and you, you feed them from God's word. But what if they were to begin the practice where every day they got into God's word and God said, and I could feed them from myself. If there was ever a message to change your life, I think it's this one. And God's word is not just a book to be treasured Just like any relationship, when you get into his word, you begin to know him and you begin to experience him and it makes you a better person in so many different ways because from cover to cover, and we're gonna see this next week, from cover to cover, this book is all about Jesus and it points us to him and to who he is. Go back to that verse we looked at, Psalm 119, 130. says, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. When I read that, it caused me to think about, some of you have never seen these before. This is called a map. And, and, and it's, it's, it's this you know, folded up thing. And then when you unfold it, when you look at it, you're like, okay, now I can see where I am. I can see where I want to go. I can see how to get directions to move forward and get to that place. There are these beautiful tools. And you can have a map, and it's great. But it doesn't do you any good until you unfold it, right? until you open it up. And I love that picture of taking God's word, whether it's in a digital form, or I, for me personally, I just love to have that, that book in my lap and unfold those words. And then it allows God to give us light and to guide our paths. This series of messages is meant to be a traveler's guide to help you make the most out of this tool and resource that God has given to us. And when you unfold that, when you open up, I promise you, it can change your life. Take that 21-day challenge and watch what God does as you spend SOAP time in his word and it will change your life. Father, we thank you for your word. Jesus, thank you that with, with, with every page and every chapter and every book, It points us to you. Jesus, it helps us to see you and and to know you. Lord, may we be willing to not only allow your word to speak to us, but then, God, that we would be obedient to do what it says, that we would live lives of, of obedience to your word as your spirit guides us. In Jesus' name, amen.